Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is, of course, Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen. And with our co-host tonight, Earl Erskine, we are going to talk about some of the current events going on in polygamy groups. We're here every Thursday night, and yep. thank you for coming. My pleasure to be Again, here. Thursday night. And we're here to discuss Mormon polygamy and to warn everyone about the present perils of polygamy. Mormon culture demands polygamy for those who desire to dwell in the celestial kingdom. But God says that those who go to his heaven will dwell with him eternally, not with celestial families or multiple spouses. And we prefer God's way. It is a much better way. Wouldn't you agree with that? I would agree, certainly. (laughs) On our show of April 3rd, we brought uh, to our viewers kind of some updates on what was going on in as current events in Mormon fundamentalist polygamy groups. And we were unable to finish all of the information we had prepared for that night. And of course, more has happened since that night. And so we thought that we would just start up again tonight and uh, bring to you up to date uh, some of the things that has happened with the current events regarding Joseph Smith-style contemporary uh, polygamy culture. And we're going to start with the YF YFC Ranch in El Dorado, Texas. Yeah, YFC. <laughs> it's been in the news a lot lately. Uh, uh, well, since 2008 when the yeah. raid came on. But in January of this year, um, the state of Texas received a court judgment of forfeiture to take possession of the YFC Ranch in El Dorado, Texas. And the judge allowed the property to go into forfeiture because the FLDS leaders had purchased the ranch in 2003 through money laundering. That, and because sexual assaults were perpetrated on the property, Texas law allows for the property to be confiscated when it's been used to commit or facilitate criminal conduct. Now, the judge granted the state's request, and on April 16th, just a couple of weeks ago, Texas officials went on the ranch. They met with the residents uh, who were there uh, with the court order to vacate, and those residents that were remaining on the ranch agreed to leave the property, um, and the ranch became the property of Texas. Were there about 500 of them still there? There were only eight still there. Eight still there. Only eight people were still there when they served them papers uh, a couple of weeks ago. And they're they're trying to be careful too that the residents who are still living on the ranch are able to leave safely and and everything is going smoothly. They're not not having uh, run into any difficulties. But the property and the assets also need to be preserved and protected and what belongs to them of course they can take with them. But since the April 2008 raid of the YFC ranch in Texas, 12 FLDS men have been arrested, charged, 
tried, convicted, and imprisoned because of various crimes, especially sexual crimes against the children. And best of all, their leader, Prophet Warren Jeffs, was arrested after being on the FBI's top 10 most wanted list. And he was uh, also arrested, convicted, and sentenced to life in prison. And of course, those pictures are taken after he was arrested and and, um, put in prison. So he got life plus 20 years Uh, for his sexual crimes against 12- and 14-year-old girls. You know, it's been a long time coming, uh, but justice has finally been applied to this (laughs) illegal activities that they perpetrated on the YFC Ranch. Yeah, and it's just been interesting to follow that since they left the Hilldale and Colorado City areas to build that up. Yeah, and to build that up, and that was supposed to be their very special cream of the crop people that would go down there and and look what's happened to it. And of course we would would like to see Arizona and Utah and South Dakota, um, Pringle, South Dakota, um, take action against every polygamous perpetrator of abuse, whether it's sexual abuse or physical abuse or just plain breaking civil law. Now men Many FLDS watchers fear uh, that most of the women and children that had been living there on the ranch were secretly taking to the Pringle, South Dakota property. I don't know if you're real familiar with I'm that. Not, I had never heard that one before. I know they have places up in Canada and other places. Uh-huh. But, yeah, uh, they do. The Pringle, South Dakota, there's a picture of, uh, of some, I think this is, a, I don't know how old it is, a year old or something like that. But they're building there like they did in El Dorado. There's a watchtower up there on the upper left-hand corner, uh, so you kind of remind you of a communist country where they watch and make sure that, and that watchtower, by the way, is for people to make sure they don't get out, not that people will get in. <laughs> right. And they they do, and they it's hidden away even more tightly than the El Dorado Ranch was hidden away, and it's, all, of course, fully fenced. So we're just waiting uh, to see what's going to happen up there. But if, if they've taken the women and children up there that were in the El Dorado Ranch, then you can be certain that the crimes of the YFC Ranch are continuing on there without restraint because it is more highly secretive than the El Dorado Ranch And that's ranch the was. reason for moving into these rural areas and mm-hmm. so on. I did read a it's little so article about the uh, El Dorado uh, the YFC Ranch, and uh, Warren Jeffs had a 29,000 square foot home. 29,000 square foot? That's what it said. Foot. I was wow. shocked. <laughs> wow. Of course, you need something for so many, <laughs> so many wives. wives. Right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's outrageous. But, you know, religious polygamy, uh, religious freedom has nothing to do with Mormon polygamy, and, and that's why it's holding people are holding back on doing anything about it, because they think they're going to violate the religion, but they're violating the law. Polygamists should be held accountable for law-breaking and should be arrested for their crime, just like everybody else is. We have a quote from uh, an ex-polygamist man from the All Red Polygamy Group. He has written his story on www.polygamy.org. If any of you would like to just kind of catch up on what's happened in polygamy groups and different opinions, you can go there, polygamy.org, and you can find this story as well as other on there. But this is from a man's viewpoint, and I thought it would be kind of interesting. I got permission to quote from his uh, his story, and so it's really um, touching. It's really a story from a male viewpoint. As I have aged, I have changed my attitude towards polygamy. 
it is though blinders have been removed. Where have we heard that before, huh? Mm -hmm. I can sure. see now that as a young man how easy it was to accept a false doctrine when two or more beautiful women desired to be your wives. Polygamy is an enormous ego builder and works on the sex drive like an opiate or pornography, breaking down the inhibitions imposed by society. Men become preoccupied with accumulating wives and pumping out children, which in the polygamous community is an approved sign of righteousness. I've watched men in the all-red group eyeball the young single ladies and heard their lewd remarks. When pious leaders of the polygamous group say it's not about sex, it's just another lie. If love results from these relationships, it is pure luck because Mormon fundamentalism, obedience to the priesthood, is the marriage bonding factor, not love. The prophet has the power to take the wife of one man and give her to another, an event that happens often and happened in my case. Mormon fundamentalism is not what it is cracked up to be. It is a demanding, often demeaning lifestyle steeped in emotional conflict. I was converted to polygamy in midlife. And there's really a lot more that he has written there about his experiences in polygamy. It was too long to quote, but he does go on to explain that his kids were not brainwashed, but were given their free agency, despite the fact that they carried, uh, even that then they carried the stigma of being polyg kids. That's and like, I can relate to that. Kind of like free agency to be baptized at eight. It's just not really free it, agency. It's not really there. <laughs> yeah, baptized at eight to wash away their sins, and yet they're not accountable for their sins before they're eight, so that right. doesn't make any sense either. No. But anyway, he said the role of a polygamous father, uh, or a man as a, fa a father of the polygamous family, was more symbolic when it came to child rearing. He, he said he was kept so busy dealing with the demands of his wives that the children were deprived of his needed attention, and that's entirely a normal description of a polygamous family. Father, lack of fathering, proper good fathering is... is epidemic in polygamy groups. He said the father is often placed in the position of a, of, of a punisher instead of a counselor mm. or a guide for the children. Yeah. And, and the threat, well, you better behave or you, I'll tell your dad when he gets home, you know, and of course that can happen in any family. But in a polygamous family, it's multiplied. Children to many polygamists are little more than brownie points or a display for the male potency, he said. He said that the all-red polygamy group, um, in the group when he was then there, was a priesthood leader who, who liked to brag that he had 60 children and 90 grandchildren as if he had accomplished some heroic feat. <laughs> he said that he masqueraded as a righteous man, but many of his children went days and weeks and even months before they ever saw him. Others hoped and waited for him to show up and support them at important events. And of course, that rarely happened because he was too busy taking care of priesthood business. Now, you know, we've we've probably all heard the saying, any male can father a child, but it takes a man to be, to be a, a daddy. Yeah. And I just, in polygamy groups, you don't see that. I was not aware of this as a, as a mainstream Mormon, that the, that the fathers were so distant from their kids. I had heard the story about Brigham Young not recognizing one of his kids on the street. Yeah. Have you heard that I've one, heard I'm that sure. I've heard that one, yes. And had to be introduced to his own child. Mm -hmm. But you can imagine that many children and, and yeah, where's the parental... Uh 
and where's the righteousness in that? Any man can father that many children if he's got enough women that are let him do it, but that doesn't make you righteous. No, and the pride and judgment, judgment uh, or judgmentalism that goes along with that when, you know, somebody doesn't have as many children Mm -hmm. or or whatever. That's exactly right. He, He continued to write that in the All Red group, over half, possibly even 70% of the children that are raised in the group uh, end up leaving. And when they leave, many of them will struggle for stability and even to find out their own identity. Yeah. And, and that I can relate to as well. And many of them become dysfunctional. But he said, and this is a heartbreak, many girls will stay in the polygamy group and become plural wives because they're afraid of the outside world. And that uh, to them is safer and less traumatic for them to go along with the priesthood program. But the tragedy, the tragedy of all this is the mm-hmm. manipulation of the group to keep them afraid so they will stay. Well, and you've, That's got what the, they do. and you've got the role model there where the young women are looking to the mothers mm-hmm. who are in polygamous situations and they love their mothers. And mm-hmm. then you've got the, the young men who are looking at these other men with their wives uh, uh, and not really spending time as fathers. So they don't have a good and role model. And they don't model. have a role model. Yeah. That's absolutely right. You know, and, and the guy said, this man said, it doesn't matter what polygamy group these kids come from, whether it's Colorado City or the All Red Group or the Kingston Clan, the children have trouble coping with the fact that they grew up in a polygamist home, being a polygamist kid, and many of them will turn from, to drugs or alcohol. He warned, don't be fooled by the misleading rhetoric of the proponents of polygamy who are attempting to put together an ad hoc political movement to decriminalize polygamy. He said, if you're thinking of converting to polygamy and having children, please think twice before committing yourself. Think of your children and what it will do to their lives. Now, remember, this is from a male perspective. I wish we could get more men on the show to be interviewed, but they just don't want to come public. You know, it's funny. What what would Satan want to have happen? Exactly what's he happening. He would want us to, to start embracing a lifestyle that is so totally anti-biblical mm-hmm. and anti-social from, from and, many and standpoints. And hurts the kids, because the yeah. kids are the upcoming the generation. And, and the lost boys and yeah. all, the ram- all the things you've discussed over the years. Mm-hmm. I, I think Satan is just uh, having a heyday with this, uh, especially is. if we're on TV and embracing it more and more and mm-hmm, that's exactly legalizing right. it and stuff. He said in, in his remarks, he said that the children often had absentee fathers and when the father was around he would become the punisher and how true that was in my own experience you know our father when I was growing up he came around every other weekend for two days so I got to see him from two to four days a month Um, and, and instead of cherishing the time that we had with him we hated it because he wasn't there to love us, to be a daddy to us, or to guide us and and nurture us. He was there to make sure we never did anything wrong, and if we did, to punish us. You might say, well, these things can happen in any family. Well, it doesn't take polygamy uh, to make this kind of a mess, but it sure multiplies it. It sure makes it worse. Uh, There is no doubt about that. And besides, that's no excuse. These polygamy groups claim to be the kingdom of God. And shouldn't the kingdom of God, if they were, wouldn't they behave better than that? Um, Child, I believe that a child has the God-given right 
to a father's loving care. Yeah. To, to, without being afraid of the father. Shouldn't the father be their protector instead of needing to be protected from him? And doesn't a child have the right to call the man who is his father daddy? We had to call him our father by his first name. We couldn't call him daddy or father. And they, the first family, got to take his last name. We had to take a fake last name. We, you know, we do a pre... That was so new to me. <laughs> I had no idea that second and third and fourth wives and their children couldn't recognize the we father couldn't. as the father. No, we couldn't. That we makes sense could now, not. but I didn't know that. That's yeah. a shame. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and they, want, they say it's good for kids? Yeah. Yeah? No way. Uh-uh. No. Um, and we do appreciate this man's story. He chooses to remain anonymous. But he said that something about his children, uh, that they had given his children their free agency. And I really want to comment on that a little bit because he said that he gave his children their free agency. It isn't the parents. It isn't the group. It isn't the church who gives individual their free agency. It's God. That's true. God gives them their free agency. They don't give it to them and pat themselves on their back because they did. And to punish people who leave their religion is not practicing the free agency that God alone gives. In fact, to punish and to persecute those who leave or to demean them, to mock them, to accuse them of all kinds of immorality, to try to force them back into uh, a religion that they don't want any part of, all of these goes against not only the Mormon articles of faith, which the polygamists believe in, but against God's creation of individual freedom. Um, yeah. And the actions and the reactions of members of polygamy groups and all of Mormonism, this places their behavior in the category of a cult. A religious group who persecutes and uses all kinds of guilt trips and shunning when someone chooses to exercise their personal free agency that God has given them. So we do thank him for his story. And you know, the FLDS, we have a little bit more about that. They've had multiplied troubles these yeah. days, as well they should. Yeah. Um, there was a recent lawsuit against the FLDS in Colorado City that was won to the tune of $5.2 million. On March 21st, a jury in Phoenix awarded Ron and Ginger Cook $5.2 million because they were denied water and sewer and electric services for five years in Colorado City, Arizona, which is, of course, the FLDS fundamental community. Now, this couple had moved down there. They were denied housing and access to utilities based on religious discrimination because they were not part of the FLDS membership. Now, this is typical of the Mormon culture to deny something from someone who doesn't conform to their religion. And the lawyers for the FLDS argued that the family was denied the utilities because they didn't fill out their paperwork correctly. <laughs> I was surprised when I read that. How does it take five years yeah, to fill out paperwork that one out. correctly? That doesn't make any sense at no. all. But... Um, during the trial, security officers also testified, and they said that the FLDS controlled the community. Now, these are legal towns. These are legal, you know, organized towns, state right? Of Utah, so Arizona. they're under certain certain federal laws. But uh, they testified that the FLDS controlled the communities. Of course, that's true 
in all polygamy groups. They are controllers. One security officer testified that he had been ordered to spy on this family. And that's not unusual in polygamy groups either for the uh, leadership to spy on its members. And, 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 you know, they'll tap their telephones and wow. watch where they're going, all kinds. If there's about as much freedom in a polygamy group as there was in the old communist Iron Curtain. Oh, dear. Uh, but we're glad to see that this couple has received justice and that the FLDS communities are finding that they're, they're strangling control over the residents of these towns are finally being pried loose. And we do, of course, hope that all polygamy groups would release their illegal stranglehold control that they maintain over their members and allow them the free agency that God gave them. Now, the leader and the prophet of these twin cities, the Hilldale, Utah, and Colorado uh -huh. City, Arizona, of course, was Warren Jeffs who is in a Texas prison for sexual assault of young girls. And this, for new viewers, perhaps, who may be unaware of the details of Warren Jeffs, uh, the FLDS are polygamous and they're faithful to Joseph Smith and his early Mormon teachings. Their practices include older men marrying underage teenage girls and driving the younger teenage boys out of town to eliminate their influence and their competition for the young girls. And let's hope and pray that these abuses will all be investigated before further disaster results. Because if they're not, more and more lives will continue to be ruined. Child slave labor will continue to take place behind the scenes. And last time we talked about that 14-year-old yeah. boy that That's was killed right. on the forklift. Yeah. And child brides will still be consummated. And human lives will continue to be born and raised and die within the confines of the polygamy group. And there is no foreseeable way out for them when they are born and raised in it. Outside influence isn't allowed. And the way they see it, there's a hammer of their false and vindictive God that is ready to come down on anyone who even has a small doubt that something might be fundamentally wrong with their system. Does the polygamy groups as they meet, uh, I guess they meet regularly, at least on Sundays and mm -hmm. probably through the week, mm -hmm. uh, how do they reinforce the uh, concept of staying together? I mean, these people are under stress and... And well, there's the, abuse and everything else, but the, it, is it just... Um, they, I think they do the same thing as the mainline church does. They instill guilt and shame and fear and, yeah. and uh, responsibility and family. And you I know, like what he the family's the big thing. Like what the man was saying about uh, this is like an opiate or a pornography for these men uh, sitting up on their stands, I'm sure, looking over the young girls as they're <laughs> aging from 10 to 11 and 12 and mm -hmm. trying to position... <laughs> position themselves to take these young girls. Mothers and I guess fathers, but at least the mothers ought to probably breaking their hearts. To I don't know. I, I was claimed at birth when I was born and they saw uh, the, uh, the baby girl, save her for me, he said, you know. And it, my mother's heart was proud. She was happy that that somebody wanted her girl, you wow. know? It, it's so, it doesn't break their hearts. Well, some it does. I, I have, yeah, some, some it does. Do. Mm -hmm. For sure. But it, it, I guess they're so indoctrinated, it's, uh, it's their way to heaven. Brainwashed. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's their way yeah. to heaven. Uh, Warren Jeffs, let's talk about Warren Jeffs for a little bit. Of course, he'll spend the rest of his life in prison, although we realize that he still runs the polygamy group from his prison cell. It's also being reported that his brother, uh, Lyle Jeffs, has taken the leadership position being there in person, but it's now rum rumored that he's gone 
a wall somewhere. Mm. He's into hiding. Nobody knows for sure. Or is, at least they're not saying where he's at. And from reports that I've heard, his brother is more weird than Warren Jeffs wow. was. So that, that kind of <laughs> makes him wonder, doesn't it? And, of course, there's many children in the FLDS who are given, still given, only water and beans for food. Every day, with no variation, it's been going on for a long time, despite the fact that the, 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 these people are getting food stamps. Hmm. So they're getting food stamps to feed their kids and their kids are getting beans and water. And this is the same group that decreed that a husband and wife would no longer be allowed to have sexual activity with each other. If the couple wants children, they must let the bishop know. Then one of the three designated men in the group will be chosen to have sex with the wife to create the baby and the husband must be present to observe the event as it takes place. Now, where in the world does this kind of teaching come from? I don't know, but wouldn't it be interesting if President Monson and the mainstream church said, you know what, we're going to start doing polygamy? Yeah. And think of all of this that's going on. and They'd have to go back to Joseph Smith's say, this is how he did it, this is how Brigham Young did it, this is the way we'll do it. Ooh. Pretty you, scary. Do you huh? think the people would follow? Some would, yes. I don't think they all Blind, would. I think blindly follow their the, prophet. The blind lead the blind. Yeah. yeah, and they all fall into the pit. Scary thought. It is very scary. Um, Joseph Smith, you know, the, 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 he taught that God was once upon a time a man yeah. and with a man's passions and parts. So that's where this kind of idea originated. This is not the God of the Bible. And it's a false God with a false gospel will always, always produce bad fruit. Now, bad fruit is not referring to children. It's referring to behavior. In the Bible, when it talks about that, it's talking about bad behavior. And polygamy groups today are the bad fruit producing bad behavior of Joseph Smith's doctrine of original Mormonism, which includes polygamy. And if this information produces doubts in your mind, investigate those doubts. And may I add here that Mormonism in all of its forms, including polygamy, but not limited to polygamists, make it a practice to govern a married couple's marriages, and in some instances, even their sex life, as we've already seen. We wonder what kind of a monster god they have that commands polygamy, that intrudes behind the bedroom doors of their members and essentially ruin their marriages marriages. Our God of the Bible never takes that approach. I've listened to so many heartbreaking accounts where the group leader or the Mormon bishop or someone else usurps authority and advises a man or a wife to leave their divorce or withhold sex or withhold love or even withhold touching their spouse because that person doesn't fit the model of their religion. One polygamy group has actually placed audio bugs in members' bedrooms as part of their spying program. No one has the authority to regulate someone else's marriage in that way. That is God's right alone. And no one gets to play God or gets to be the mediator between God and anyone else. Jesus Christ alone is our mediator. And Jesus would never, ever give that kind of bad instruction or suggestion to anyone. In fact, the opposite's true. Jesus said the man is supposed to love his wife. It didn't have any ifs there. 
He is supposed to love his wife, and the wife is supposed to, to respect her husband. And maybe he needs to be respectable for her and not have several other wives waiting in the wings. And he never, God never said, divorce if you don't believe the way they do. He didn't say that, or, or withhold sexual activity, or call the other spouse unclean if they aren't Mormon or polygamist. And we pray for a wake-up call that would somehow deeply touch the hearts and minds of people in this culture and free them from this kind of bondage and from the robotic control that they're under. We're supposed to confess our sins not to a man, but to Jesus only. We repent to Jesus only. And if it's godly repentance, he forgives without guilt trips, without a list of works that must be accomplished in penance in order to be forgiven. Jesus is our only mediator. Now let me read this from 1 Timothy. It says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man and men, the man Christ Jesus. One mediator. One mediator. That nobody else gets to. Now, and this is kind of touching on your little toes there because you were a bishop and so yeah. you played that mediator role I did. for it, a while. It was one of the funny things coming out of Mormonism was to start thinking that I had a personal relationship with, with Jesus Christ and with God that the church didn't stand between me right. and, and him. Right. And it took me a little while to deal with that because I had never felt like, I mean, it's hard to say it that way because I certainly believed in God and in Jesus. I prayed to them and I, I loved them and there's mm -hmm. the, and Jesus a sacrifice and all that. But still there was that personal relationship that was between me and him uh -huh. that I did never really feel because the church was always there in between. The, the church is always the mediator yeah. or the bishop or somebody else is always the always mediator, the mediator. Yeah. but only Jesus is and and he won't allow. He won't, There's no authority. There is no real authority from God for any mediatorship. And I want to add here as well that priests and priesthoods and bishops and elders or any other label that crowns the patriarchal system of Mormonism that places the male above the female is fraudulent and has not been instructed by God. Got from, another good verse here. Another good one from Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hmm. We're all equal. Somebody's not reading their Bible. <laughs> Somebody's not reading or don't believe it or something's wrong. But I'm dear to tell you, this is God's word. And so ladies, polygamous ladies out there, if you're obeying the false authority of bishops or other male dominance in your church or in your Mormonism or your polygamy or whatever it is, you don't have to do it. That's not God's way. That's man's way. And only God has spiritual authority over us through Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, we have freedom. You know, I know this sounds rebellious, but for women to think that they don't have to answer to a... That, I mean, in this way that we're talking about and having this other mediator. But it's such a freeing... My yoke is easy, my burden is light, is and there's free. a freedom in Christ that uh, that's there, and, and they should be enjoying that. And we read, yeah, yeah. we read from Second Corinthians chapter three, and also from Galatians five. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yeah. You were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. 
So Christianity is freedom in Christ. Yes, absolutely. Nobody gets to rule over another, and, and we don't live lives of guilt because we're not pleasing some man down the street or some bishop or some polygamist guru. You can you, you can stop going to man with your problems and just take take him to God, take him to him alone, because he is our genuine uh, spiritual authority. So, um, I, I don't think that people in the polygamy and mainstream Mormonism really realize that they're under bondage, they in don't. bondage. I mean, Mormons aren't really allowed to even go to a, if they're in a geographical area, they, they have to go to the ward that they've been assigned. Yeah. Uh, they have to pay their tithing and do yeah. all the things. They don't get to go to the temple and yeah, and all those, funniest. and again, the temple is mediator between. Uh, there's oh, another mediator, for sure. which, which another qualification to get to God. Yeah, and and and, just, and it tells us in the Bible that God does not live in temples built by human hands. God doesn't right. need them, and He doesn't want them yeah. anymore. So it's just all a mishmash and just a, a hodgepodge of what the Bible teaches. So very quickly, we need to congratulate the women in Utah because on March 21st of 2000. 2014 marks the day that women in Kenya, Africa are faced with the reality of legalized polygamy, just like Utah women in polygamy groups have been able to have here for over 160 years. Kenya's parliament passed a bill allowing men to marry as many women as they want, and two days ago they signed the bill Amazing. into law. And, of course, there was a furious backlash with the females of the legislature, which they should have, and they did, angrily storm out of their session. And, you know, this sounds strangely like Section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants, where Joseph Smith said a man can go out and take ten virgins, but for all intents and purposes commanded the women to keep their mouths shut while the men sustained the revelation of celestial marriage, which they called polygamy. An angry woman in Kenya said, when you marry an African woman, she must know the second wife is on the way, and a third, this is Africa. And we could say, well, this is Utah, it's the same thing. We're now parallel with the African way of life in polygamy. And there was a parliamentary majority leader who is a Muslim who said that men marrying more than one woman was part of the Islamic faith. But also he highlighted Bible stories to justify Christian men not asking their wife before taking another wife. And this is reportedly what he said, and he, we quote. Yeah. I want my Christian brothers to read the Old Testament. King David and King Solomon never consulted anybody to marry a second wife. Indeed, they didn't consult anybody. They no. didn't even consult God. You know, and it never ceases to amaze me how badly the Bible is used to justify all kinds of immoral and irrational and abusive behavior, but they sure won't use it to define good, sound doctrine yeah. and godly behavior. The Bible is not a buffet table. It's all or nothing. It's all the Word of God or none of it's the true Word of God. No man gets to be its editor or use it for private interpretation. 
And those who use the Bible like that are essentially telling God that he doesn't know what he's talking about, and they're smarter than he is, and I sure wouldn't want to be in their shoes on Judgment Day. That would be scary. <laughs> that would be scary. It's the true word of God, because he said so. Well, we're going to open up our phones. We're a little bit late here opening them up, but we're going to open our phones now. Our phone number is 801-973-8820-973-TV20. If you have any questions or comments, please call in. We'd love to hear from you. And, of course, we do have more to discuss after yeah. the break, but right now we're going to take a break. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at TV at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris The one thing that I liked with that was the two stories about kids. Welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I'm your host, Doris Hansen, with our co-host, uh, Earl Erskine. We're here tonight discussing um, more current events that is going on in the polygamy culture of uh, this culture. Uh, but before we get in further, however, um, I would like to just mention right now that we are helping a woman from a polygamy group get established after she's left, and she needs some basics for her apartment. She needs a vacuum cleaner, a toaster, and four kitchen chairs, and cleaning supplies. If anybody would like to donate these, you can email us, doris at uh, uh, shieldandrefuge.org, or you can call in and to the show tonight and just leave the operator your telephone number and I'll call you back. But what we would like to make sure is that uh, when these items are donated, they're good repair, not that they can be junk. She's lived on junk all of her life. She needs some good stuff. And so if you have a good operator, 
heating uh, vacuum cleaner or toaster and some nice chairs for her kitchen table. Uh, we would appreciate it if anybody wants to donate them to us. Um, it kind of, I thought was interesting as I was talking to her, I asked her how she was doing moving into her apartment. It kind of broke my heart. She said, oh, we're getting by. And I said, getting by is not good enough. No. That's she's what she's done all of her life. It's just getting by. She has children with her. Yeah, she's got a couple of, yes. Uh -huh. And and I said, that's not good enough. What do you need? We will get you. If we can, if it's possible, okay. we'll get you what you need. So that's we don't sweet. want her just to get a by. She's done that long enough. And we want her to have some good stuff. Um, now, we do have some calls, it looks like, uh, that are waiting for us right now. However... I want to read a letter. It came in the mail uh, last week. It's handwritten by a black marker, and it just touched my heart so deeply I thought it would be nice to share it with you tonight. So Can we're we going to read, read the letter. Uh -huh. Okay. <clears throat> I thank you so much for your program. It's taught me so much. To this day, I struggle with anger towards the LDS religion. They hurt my family so much. All of my relatives are LDS. All of my brothers were baptized, but I never was. Keep, God kept me from being LDS, which caused a lot of pressure on my family. When my brother was young, he was riding his bike in the street and he got hit by a drunk driver and died instantly. My LDS relatives said he died because my family wasn't holy enough and wasn't sealed in the temple. But then one of their sons died. The relatives said it was because they need him to work for the LDS in heaven and to preach to those who don't believe. I became a Christian while I was living in Italy with my husband in the military. When I came back from Italy, I told them how Jesus changed me, but I was shunned by everyone. All my relatives rejected me because I'm not LDS. I see the LDS missionaries everywhere I go. They become very aggressive, and every time I see them, I walk the other way. Hell doesn't have fire extinguishers to put out the fire. It's for all eternity. How do I talk to them with the love of Jesus? I keep praying about it. I love you all so much. Please continue with your show. Wow, isn't that it's, break your heart? Yeah, it really does. And it's repeated so many times in this culture, yeah. over and over and over again. And, and you know, the, the, the heartbreak over much of it, but the shunning, the shunning that they do, yeah, it's, and I, I've tried to think about this a little bit because there's, um, you know, my my counsel to her, or at least the way I would talk to her a little bit, is that you, you do have to realize their mindset mm -hmm. and that this is the way they've been brought up. And everything good that happens, uh, well, like the two boys, that's just, uh, yeah. you know, it's being so judgmental and it's being really kind of cruel. It's been very yeah. cruel. Yeah. But every time, you know, when BYU wins a ball game, it's because the church is true. Yeah. I don't know what they say when the ch when they lose the <laughs> lose the game, but maybe it's to be tested or something. I don't know. There's always a rational explanation for this. But I would counsel her to be Christ to them, to be patient and to um, and to, pray to show them, them love, to pray for them, pray plant for them. seeds where she can mm -hmm. and ask God. It, it's not her that would be changing their hearts anyway it would be god and the holy god. spirit mm -hmm. yeah and and if they can see christ and your love um in as you work with yeah. them yeah. Um, then of course that might make a difference as well and just prayer if, if nothing else prayer uh, and we do understand exactly the dilemma that you are going through. We honestly understand One that. One other thing that I do try to 
tell people that become angry and bitter because of what they've been, how they've been deceived and everything is, is just to try to remember, try for them to remember how they were going yeah. through that. I was there once. Yeah. I, I listen to that myself when I'm thinking how, how I feel now about the Mormon religion and the, the problems, but then I was in it for mm -hmm. so long and I think, well, that's the way I that's was. That's the way and we I was, were. I had pride and I was judgmental. Some, so. some are more fanatic in it and than yeah. others, naturally. Yeah. But. Yeah. Okay, we have on line one Lizzie calling from Spanish Fork. Hello, Lizzie. Hello, Doris. Hello, you're on the air. Um, how are you doing tonight? Wonderful, thank you. Um, I need your opinion about coffee. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I was the happiest um, woman in the world when I discovered that I could drink coffee and still go to heaven. Uh, is that a bad thing to drink coffee no. if you're in the LDS church? Well, the church thinks it's bad, but God doesn't care. It tells uh, us... What is your take about cigarettes? Well, it's, it's not a, a smart thing health-wise, but it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Okay, and what is your opinion about alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> Hitting all the biggies there. It's not what goes in the mouth, it's what comes out. So. Yeah. Um, okay, and then what about uh, tattoos? Taxes? Jesus Ta told... Tattoos. Tattoos. Oh, oh, I thought you said taxes. <laughs> uh, tattoos is a personal choice. Okay. Um, well, I love your show. You're doing a good job. And I'm a member of the Risen God Church, and I'm a good friend of Master Luke. Uh, Lizzie, one thing and uh, you're asking about these word of wisdom issues, just use wisdom. Yeah. But uh, if you're a member of the church, then you have to obey them or you can't go to the temple. But right. Uh, right. you have freedom again in Christ and just use wisdom. Yeah, it tells us in Romans that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Good night. And that's another one of those works, works, works things. That oh, what's that is. got to do with anything? Yeah. You know, and the judging that goes on with that. If, yeah. if you were to smell of smoke and go into a sacrament meeting and sit down, uh, I guarantee the the judging and the pride uh, that would go on with that would mm -hmm. it would be same significant. with the polygamy group. Exactly it, the yeah. same thing. Yeah. You betcha. Okay, line two. We have Joe calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Joe. Good evening, Doris and Earl. Hello. Hi. I. Uh, have a, a question regarding Utah's uh, prosecution or lack of prosecution of the polygamous clans here in Utah. Uh, I find it fascinating that Texas goes after the assets of the polygamous down in Texas, and uh, I suspect that polygamists won't be coming back to Texas anytime soon. You're right. And I'm just wondering, why is it that Utah is so lackadaisical, if not non-existent, in the prosecution of these polygamists. I've always felt that if they went after their assets, their property, their laundered money, and so on, their illegal gains, that these groups would just almost vanish overnight. I was just wondering why the two of you thought that Utah doesn't seem to do that. 
Such a good question. That's a very, very good question. And you know, in the beginning, when Utah, when the Mormons had come to Utah, the federal government came after the assets of the Mormon Church because they wouldn't give polygamy up, and it, it was a very effective. Yeah. They they gave it up. Uh, it was an economic thing. It certainly wasn't a revelation from God. But that, you have a very good question there. I think what you know, we should ask the Attorney General or somebody who who's in the know. But one thing I can say is Texas does not have a history of polygamy like Utah does. Utah was uh, was settled by Brigham Young and, and the Mormon polygamists as they fled from uh, Nauvoo after Joseph Smith's death. And they were all polygamists. And so everybody who is, who is in Utah, well, not everybody, but if you have Mormon roots in Utah, you've got roots into polygamy. And people are just very sensitive about that and trying to do anything against it. Do you think they just turned to the legislature and others put, turned a blind eye to it? I mean, obviously. Yes, but, they do. But because they not feel sorry for the polygamists, but they it was part of their culture before 1890. It was part of their culture. And They're so supposed they to live it in the future. The, the Mormons are supposed to be living it in the future and during yeah. the millennium. I've always heard they're going to live polygamy during the millennium. And I can understand what Joe's saying too about if, if polygamy was just something that didn't affect children, uh, young men, young women, the way it does because of the uh, abuse and, and the uh, marriages and all that, the marriages, You'd think, well, okay, it's something that adults can do, I guess, because they're adults or something. But it, it, and it's so obvious, and we have so many testimonies of people who have suffered through these mm -hmm. polygamy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's illegal, so mm -hmm. it's, a, yeah. it's an excellent question. Yeah. It is a good question. And, you know, if they would go with, through the, uh, to their assets, I think that would be a great thing. But now polygamy groups have, have their own legal teams, and they have... Grundles of money now that they can put out, so it'd be quite a battle. But still, the law is on our yeah. side. Yeah. Okay. Good question. Line three. We have May calling from Washington. Hello, May. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Hi, Dora. Yes. Uh, I just have a question. Okay. How do they explain uh, the? How do the polygamists explain the scripture that God gave? to the men that they should cleave unto their wife and none other another that and you and usually if you have a legal ceremony it's going to say that forsaking all else too but yes. but they and don't how do they get around that they get around it because they believe that god's higher law of plural marriage is above all of the the man's law and he uh when god gave a god also gave a higher law which was polygamy that's what they believe. Well, I didn't read about that in the Bible. No, but it was taken out. It was one of those precious things that's been lost. I They see. say. Uh, I think the real reason for polygamy was so that men could prepare themselves for godhood because that's what's taught in the Mormon church. That's that exactly what the early... they'll be gods and have their own earth. That's exactly what they taught in the early Mormon church. Joseph Smith taught it, Brigham Young, John, they all taught that, yes. And so they had to have a lot of wives so they could populate their earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't sound very righteous to me. Well, they're really, having been born and raised in a polygamy group and reading the, the things that we did tonight and what's going on, it is not a righteous life. 
I don't know how they can call it righteous in any way because it isn't righteous. In polygamy, somebody is always the loser. There's always a loser. One of the wives or many of the wives and the children, I can't tell you how many heartbreaks I saw and experienced myself in just this one polygamy family I was raised in of the heartbreaks that happen. It's a great and horrible thing that it ever came into any religion, especially here in America. It is exactly true. Thank you, May. I appreciate your call. Okay. Thank, All right. Thank Good you, night. May. Thank uh-huh. you. Bye. Okay, that's sweet lady. Yeah, she's very sweet. She's been communicating for several months, and we do appreciate that. So this this woman uh, and this back to this letter um, that yeah. we were talking about. She said something I thought was interesting. She said, "Hell doesn't have fire extinguishers to put out the fire. It's for all eternity." And I thought when she said that, this culture doesn't believe in hell. They don't believe in the fires that's, of that's hell true. and eternal hell. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, Jesus taught more about hell than he did heaven. about heaven. And he said that there was fire in hell. He said yeah. that it was hot. And he said it was eternal. And if Jesus taught it more than heaven, he must have had a purpose for that warning. And he did warn very frequently about yeah. it. And he also said that there was no marriage given in heaven. No marriage in heaven. So yeah. much that Jesus taught that this culture <laughs> doesn't believe. Yeah. Maybe that's more of the plain and precious things that have been removed. <laughs> I really don't know. But it's very T- sad. Tongue in cheek, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You know, there was an interesting update uh, on the FLDS offshoot group in Canada, a group that's led by the polygamist uh, Winston Blackmore. A 2011 news article in the Vancouver Sun reported that an affidavit lists Winston Blackmore as having 25 wives, here we go again, the extravagance of this polygamy, and 101 children, and that Winston Blackmore had four brides who were 14, uh, 15 years old, two of them who were 16, and three who were 17 years old, and of course he's just merely following in Joseph Smith's Joseph Smith's footsteps, and by comparison, Joseph Smith had 34 wives, but he was careful enough uh, not to father any known children by his plural wives. But Joseph Smith married two 14-year-olds, two 16-year-olds, and three 17-year-olds, and three 19-year-olds. And despite what they say to justify uh, the uh, polygamy of Joseph Smith marrying those young ages, uh, they say that, well, they, they married young ages in those days, but that is not right. In the time frame for the country and those times, more, more women were married over the age of 20 than were that were married under the age of 20. And Joseph Smith was double the age of the 19-year-olds, and he was more than double the age of the rest of his teenage plural brides, and almost triple the age of the 14 year old girls. Now the Utah Attorney General's office is considering an investigation of Winston Blackmore because he confirmed in a deposition that 10 of his 26 wives were under 18 years old when he married them and one marriage may have taken place in Utah. But in his deposition, (laughs) Winston Blackmore said that he doesn't remember if he married this one 15 year old girl in the state of Utah or not. They might have been married somewhere else. Now, how is that? Your husband doesn't even know where he married you. <laughs> These aren't civil marriages. They're just in their homes or in their wherever they yeah, hold the, their ceremonies. Their, their celestial marriage, which okay. is, of course, polygamy. Right. No matter who wants to argue about that, it's polygamy, plain and simple. So, 
Uh, the, but no documents, right? No documentation. No. They don't have a legal marriage license. They're all polygamy um, marriages. Um, and so we just hope and pray that the, our new Attorney General, Sean Reyes, will, will kind of take some of these things in hand. Uh, polygamy, Mormon polygamy goes from the north in Canada to the south in Mexico and tens of thousands of people in between. It hurts people all over. Joseph Smith's polygamy is not just a small little clump right here. It's all over the place, hurting people, and the groups are mushrooming because they have so many wives and so many children. So, do you have anything you'd like to add to this before we have our closing comments? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just shocked. The more I learn and, and hear, and I just realize that it's, uh, uh, it's just another method of adding another gospel to what Jesus Christ presented and, and mm -hmm. what Paul and Jesus talked about, and it's just not in the Bible. It's and his gospel was pure. part of the gospel of grace at all. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, that goes right into my closing comments. Uh, many people in this culture are offended when we use the word saved. Some people laugh at us when we use the word. Some people, someone on Facebook actually asked, what do you mean by saved? That confuses me. Another one said, I don't need to be saved. And then, of course, there's others who mock us for using that word. They obviously don't know that Jesus Christ himself used the word frequently. In fact, Jesus said we all need to be saved. Jesus said in Mark 13, 13, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus said in Luke 7, 50, to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And in John 10, 9, he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. We need to be saved because we're all lost in sin. And we will remain lost until Jesus finds us and saves us. So don't be among those who won't admit they're lost and won't submit to being saved. Luke 19, 10, Jesus tells us that he came to to seek and to save the lost. Jesus went out and found the lost sheep and brought it safely home. And he wants to bring each of us safely home into heaven to live with him forever. Sadly, this culture thinks that their works and their rituals will save them, but they won't because good works, marriage, polygamy, temples, they will never save a lost soul. It is Jesus who finds his lost sheep and saves them. So answer his call. He calls everybody to be saved. So answer his call and be saved. How? Just tell God you want to do it his way and really mean it and he'll do the rest. Thank you. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This? This program is a production of the Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.